Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. best. Let all our friends have whiskey on their breath. The world may not be shaken yet, but you might just prove them wrong. Even long shots make it. Just didn't come home too soon. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are now floating in Screamer Selica. My name's Kevin Graham, and as usual, I'm joined by Boise, who's resplendent in a jersey that we're all going to be shouting for in the next another an hour and a half's time, boys. How are you feeling tonight? Oh, I'm good, mate. I think um, it's an interesting one tonight. It feels like a familiar old tale that, you know, we've got it all in our own hands and it could just be one of those nights of glorious failure. But do you know what? I would have took this at the start, you know? I of think course you would have. You've got to beat Greece. Greece. My concern... Greece? Uh, Greece? Croatia? <laughs> Where am I in Greece, mate? <laughs> Got to beat Greece. I was saying that all like 
thoughtfully in that as well. What am I talking about? Greece um, is a word. Greece is a word, mate. Aye. But I think um, my concern is there a chance we could still go out even if we win? I don't think so now. I think after the results with the Ukraine, good. Russia and Finland yesterday, I think if you win, you're through. Oh, I good. Think, good. I, I that think. makes me feel a lot better because that, that would have been a perfect storm for us. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it, would, it would have been. It would have been. I, I was, I, that, on Friday night, that was the first thing I said. We'll beat Croatia and still end up going out. But here we go. I mean, it's not, as, as you say, you would have took it before the tournament started. Aye. And But... We've only got we have only to beat the current world runners up. So hey, let's let's get a go. I just want us to score and we'll see what happens after that. <laughs> just at least score and let's see what happens. Uh, Russell, have you ever came home too soon and found something that you didn't want to see? <laughs> I usually come home late for my tea, Kev. That's a fail, mate. No, 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 no. I've uh, I've always been guilty of staying out too late, mate. I've never came home and seen anything that I shouldn't have. Thanks for asking. But for folk who were wondering, at the start, that was Delamitri. We don't yes. come home too, too soon, which was a Scottish national, which was a Scottish theme song for the 1998 World Cup. Uh, see, see, Kev, did you see him? They, they played, the band played on... I think it was Virgin Radio about two weeks ago. Did they? Oh, mate. It was uh, the last to know they were playing, but it was like him with the acoustic guitar, like the accordion and that, and his voice was epic. They looked so much older because they're one of the bands that haven't really been like in the limelight as much, you know what I mean, during, like, since their heyday. You know, some mm. bands are still kind of in the background and you still see them every couple of years. So like to see them... For the first time for me, anyway, and probably the best part of 15 to 20 years, you're like, wow, I'm getting older, do you know what I mean? Because they definitely look older. But the music, phenomenal. I recommend anyone on YouTube, I know we do the football first, but just while you're talking about Delamitri, um, Last to Know by Delamitri, I think it's Virgin Radio, it'll be on YouTube anyway. Aye. Absolutely superb. I think he, I think he's a Timothy eh? Justin Curry. I think he's a Celtic fan. Eh? Um, I think he is. We're looking for a fairy tale in, at eight o'clock this evening, and we're hoping by ten o'clock Scotland will have a fairy tale. I'm having a look, and there's no comments, no live chat, so I think everybody else is looking at there's want to be a fairy tale as well. Uh, you can't blame them, mate. Can I? Oh, producer Paul comes in with a comment. A hundred percent, Justin Curry's a Celtic fan. So, so when we were looking for something today this week, because it was Euros themed, there were slim pickings. But then, I, but then, I, all of a sudden, I remembered a Celtic player that I really liked, and how he was a major player and a fairy tale at the last European Championships, which was five years ago. Yes. and it was Joe Ledley, and Joe Ledley was was a. Massive part of Celtic for four years. He signed for Celtic on July the 12th, 2010. He, he, he signed for Celtic on a free transfer. Uh, and he made, played a major role in Wales qualification for the first competition since the World Cup in 1958. I mean, I think Scotland were bad having to wait 23 years, but to actually wait since 1958 for your first tournament. And not only that, you wait 
58 since 1958, then you, you, you bloody just get to the semi-final. You didn't, you didn't, yeah. you, you didn't mess about in the group stage. You didn't just go, oh, we're great to be here. Oh, no. You just fire on to the semi-final, beating the number one team in the world at the time on the way to the semi-final as well. So, Joe Ledley, uh, he had left Celtic by this point. He had joined. He had joined Crystal Palace by this point. But he was always one of these guys that we looked out for. Well, I looked out for him. I, I liked him. I liked him at Celtic. I thought he was like. Uh, he was as if, if I wanted to do a Welsh accent, which I'm not going to do. He was a bang tidy. <laughs> he, he was. He was a bang tidy player. He was they very were. efficient. He boxed the box. He could score. For me, it wasn't a flash. For me, it was a coach's dream, really. And it was just a shame that injuries tempered his time towards the end of Celtic. And also, the, he, had the, he was in it the last year of his contract. And we'll talk about that after, eh? But it was in his last year of his contract. And he ended up moving to Crystal Palace for a fee rumoured to be a million pounds on the 31st of January 2014. If somebody would have asked me, I would have thought Joe Ledley was there longer than four years. I get that side of the argument. Um, casting your mind back to when he signed, such a big deal. And you know something? It's mad because, and maybe it's just because it's in the present right now because I did the show I do the Monday Club, so I'm always kind of maybe comparing too much with the modern day when we do this, but I can't help it. And you just think, when's the next time we're going to have a player turn down an EPL midday mid-EPL team uh, which was Stoke at the time but they were an established mid, mid-table EPL team at the time and Roma mm-hmm. right to come to us we will you know that was when and do you know what's so mad about all the strategies we talk about Kevin whether they're tight-fisted or not the Celtic board backed a guy who was a rookie manager then they did right they did Neil Lennon had never been in charge of a transfer window in his life and yet they were sanctioning moves for, like we spoke about the other week, not just Joe Ledley, but um, like to David James, Saul Campbell, things like that. Jimmy Bullard. Jimmy Jimmy Bullard, yeah. And I just think, you know, the ambition shown to get in Joe Ledley, who at that point was hot property, to say the least. It was... uh... His club Cardiff had knocked back a few £6 million bids for him. Yes, £6 million. I remember the exact fee. And that had been one of those in the January, mate. Mm-hmm. When he only had five months left. And we got him for nothing. Because he was under 24 and we didn't need to pay any compensation for him. Because he was, was over under- 24. He was over 24. Was he? Yeah, he, was, he had just turned 24 when we signed him. I so, still thought we paid compensation. No, no, according to what I read, we didn't pay any compensation for him whatsoever. I thought we'd got him for a song. I thought we, we'd got We him. actually signed him after the World Cup final that year to make sure Cardiff couldn't take us to court. Because there was something about that date. See, we were already shady chancers at that point under Peter Law. But yeah, do you know to... something, though? Shady chancers are not. That's good business going for the right players. Then we used that again for Dembele. We used the exact That's same rule for Dembele. Yes, yes. And again, a big sign of ambition. But I was super excited when we got Joe Ledley, Kev. I really was. I just felt that was, things are happening here. There seems to be, we've got our mojo back. I think the, would I be right in saying the summer before, 
Who did we say? Nguemo on loan? Mm-hmm. From Nguemo on loan, because it was Mowbray in charge, wasn't it? The year before. It was Mowbray, yes. It was so Mowbray. Mowbray brings in some of I think it was Mowbray adding Nguemo on loan is one of his main summer signings. We get Joe Lively on a free Wales International, coveted by several PL clubs and had taken the tour out Roma by that point. Mental. It is, it is mental. It is all mental. And the one thing about Joe, and, and it's one of these things, he got us, he fell in love with us. And as far as I'm aware, his dad still comes up to watch Celtic. His dad is That's a massive Celtic, Celtic fan. Now. And uh, Joe's doing a podcast at the moment with Ellis James, the BBC sort of reporter guy on, on, on the Welsh. Yeah? And Joe is always very, very complimentary about Celtic. He doesn't, oh, hide, he doesn't hide the fact that he loves Celtic. Um, now, Wales qualified for this group, um, this this tournament, be finishing second with 21 points behind Belgium, who they went on to play in the, in the quarterfinals of this tournament. Um, the only game that they lost in this was to Bosnia 2-0, but they qualified by that point. And on 9th of May 2016, Chris Coleman who was a highly rated manager after this tournament. Now, I think he, he got offered the, the Pickies jobs after this tournament, but ended up going to Sunderland, which I didn't really understand. That's a bit later, though, wasn't it? Aye, aye. He named 29 players on the 9th of May 2016. A 29-player squad. Two days after Joe Ledley had broke his leg playing for Crystal Palace, and Joe Ledley was named in the Wales squad in the 29. Yep. It, it was a minor. It was a minor fracture of the tibula, and they reckoned that Ledley would be out to three to four weeks, and he would make the first game against Slo- uh, Slovakia, because by this time Wales had were drawn in Group B, and they were drawn with England, Slovakia, and Russia. Russia, a very tough group for your first tournament, and and uh, since nineteen fifty eight, so they gave Ledley every single chance to make this. And when, when I was researching this, there was a thing on Wales online and it was reporting that Joe Ledley had broke his leg. And they had a picture of Joe Ledley's leg left. Uh, sorry. had a picture of Joe Ledley's left leg. That's very difficult to say. Um, Joe Ledley's left leg. Left leg. <laughs> I had a picture of Joe Ledley's left leg. On the front page of, the, of on the front page of their website and also in the printed press, asking you to put your hand on it and to pray for Joe, pray that he made it to the Euros. Wow! <laughs> so that shows you how they, they, wow. wanted, they, they wanted divine intervention to for the the rock as they called them to to make it to the Euros uh, because he had he was such a revered character. By this point, he was the the queen shaven Joe. And the and the, the good looking guy that we had at Celtic, he looked like one of the guys you get in the films that you find behind the outgrown bushes. So you get the films when kids are looking for this old man to come and like take them on an adventure, and they know where the treasure is. That's what Joe Ledley looked like with the big beard and the sticky up hair, and it looked like he had been living in a cave for the last twenty years. I think he, I think he got, uh, I think his performances dipped after he got that beard. You know, I'm telling you. I don't think they dipped in this tournament. I mean, uh, no, I had a good tournament. No, I did have a good tournament, but I don't like the beard anyway. Is what I'm trying to say. So I just thought I'd try and associate it with them. No playing as well either. I actually thought it made them look like a Celtic warrior. 
あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ
Even <laughs> they're proving that they can take oh, Wales well, well, up a different level. That, that Bale display, Bale's display, um, not the last match, the match before when he put he put Ramsey through twice before the the, the one that Ramsey eventually scored, and mm-hmm. all three of the balls that he puts through playing a deeper role. You know, it just shows you. I think someone like Bale could. He's what he's that good. It's like he could play anywhere in the parking. He's just the quality. I just quality. quality. Is that Ramsey and Bale are that quality that Scotland need in the final third? Our quality is in different areas of the field, but we need that sort of match difference quality in the final third. I mean, we've two, we've got two of the best left backs in the world. Right. <laughs> what other nation ends up with two left backs who are the best in the world? Um, so they got out the group, and Joe Ledley came on as a sub in the first game against Slovakia in 69 minutes. So he made it three and a bit weeks after he broke his uh, he broke his leg. He yep. made it to play for Wales in that tournament. He never missed a game after that. He, he never yep. missed a game. He, he never got subbed. He, he, he never came on as a sub. He started every single game after that. First game at the group se- sections, the last, the last 16, they played Northern Ireland. And the one one nothing with future Rangers reject uh, Gareth McCauley scoring an OG. He's he scored an OG after seventy five minutes. Uh, I always like to see Northern Ireland getting beat when you've got guys like Gareth McCauley, Steve Davis, and Lafferty play. It's always oh, good. It's always good. Lafferty was up top for them that day, so it's always good. To, it's always good to see him greeting. Eh? It's, it's always nice. Um, so they then move. To the quarter-final. A quarter-final in your first appearance since 1958. <laughs> this is utterly bizarre. This is no fairy tale territory. You're further than what you ever want to be. And they go to play the number one side in the world, Belgium, in Lille. What, what do you remember about that night? Because it was a Friday night. What do you remember about that night? You would have had the pub at this point. So it was, what I mean? No. No, no. So I left the pub in February 2016. All right. And um, I, remember that. I had no, it was cool. No, I wanted to leave. Um I had um so I'd walked away a couple of quid in my pocket, right? And then basically was like, right, go to Glasgow. So I've never conquered Glasgow yet. So I decided to take the Euros off. I took the summer off basically. I just you know, just lived out my jeans pocket, scrumpled up change under the couch, Kev, you know. And I had the bet the Euro 2016 was just such a great time. Discovering Glasgow every day, like I didn't, I never really, I'd only been out in Glasgow at nights. Do you know what I mean? It never really does mm-hmm. it justice. See, like part of your, and like I haven't lived in the West End, so it was like just cutting about Kelvin Grove Park, right the flat there. Cutting about Kelvin Grove Park every day, and that like, and then going to see like going to the museum just whenever I wanted, just for something to do. I was loving it, and then get home for the Euros, and we went down to a bar. I bought my Hope Street. Can't think of the name it now. Um, anyway, it doesn't really matter. It was rammed. And the place, you may as well have thought it was a Scotland game. That's how much folk were jumping up and down for the Welsh in this match, in this quarterfinal. And I thought that was firstly surprising because I really wanted them to do well. But I'm like, I didn't expect it to be such sort of 
but you, you don't really, you know, you only class when folk talk about the UK. I'm not getting political here, but folk talk about the UK and not liking the UK. They really mean England, you know what I mean? I think a lot of the time. And then particularly Southern England, as opposed to even like the North England, like, isn't really a problem. So it's like, I still didn't expect to see that many folk cheering for another country of these shores as much. I know you get it a lot of Ireland and stuff from Celtic fans and at loads of Irish bars, but this place was going mad um, for for the Welsh. And I thought it was great that that was the... And it's made me think, you know, do you think there'll be a pub, you know, in Wales right now, maybe doing the same for the Scots if they pulled off a shock tonight, you know, with a last-minute winner or something like that against Croatia? You never know. Um, I think, well, I, I think there's a, a Celtic connection. Eh? I think, I think yeah. there's going to be a Celtic connection. Facebook user comes in Russell and says, "Was it the Rock Garden? The name of the pub? No, it's beside. It's beside the uh, the the Ruby Ruby Doo or whatever it's called. Kind like the Irish bar. There's like, oh man, there's like the the Smoking Fox, and then across by that, there's like Nando's Irish bar." Another bar, and then the one up there. It was a it's a pretty plastic pub, like to be honest. But it was, um, I mean, it was jumping for that game, and it, you know, I just, I, you couldn't help but buy in. See, when you've got like you're in that environment, everyone's cheering the same team. It's no. brilliant, and it was quite refreshing the fact it's a team you didn't normally cheer on. But that Welsh team, I think, had guys. We speak about this a lot, Kev, that you wanted to see do well. Relatable guys, even for like Ashley Williams, I thought, you know, he's came into the Premier League probably when he was just about turning thirty. Nobody mm-hmm. had heard of him, you know, until then. Now he's Wales captain. He's a lion. Do you know what I mean? It was just, I love stuff like that. As, I think I think it's the beauty of football. I think everybody likes an underdog story, especially yep. especially as the small nations. We like seeing smaller nations doing well. Yep. Uh, because that's just that's just the way that we're built. Um, that that Wales side, the Wales side that lined up that night was uh, Wayne Hennessy and goals. That was how it got in trouble for the the, the, the team picture in the night out. Eh? That goalie for the, for the 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 Nazi salute. Was it was it the, that goalie or was he dressed? Was he dressed well? Anyway. Uh, Hennessy, Chester, Ashley Williams, Ben Davis, Neil Taylor, Joe Allen, Joe Ledley, Aaron Ramsey, Chris Gunter, Robson Canu, Bale. I mean, there's a lot of premiership experience in that side. That is a decent, decent side. But when you add Ramsey and Bale into that, you can actually see why they maybe go as far as what they did. Because yeah, Bale, Bale is a really, really special player and so is Ramsey. I've got the vibe that that team was a lot of good... I think there's a lot of good Premier League experience. But I wouldn't say any PL player that has excelled other than the two that aforementioned that you meant, right? But I think the rest are very much bottom half or if they go to a top half team, sort of rotated sort of PL player. Good experience, don't get me wrong, but not, you know, not folks that would, you know, really crazy excited. Maybe Williams the exception for that because I think he was under Rogers at Swansea when he got them up maybe 2014, and I think he really did come on sort of leaps and bounds. The, um, the, the majority of this Welsh team came through the Welsh age groups together, so there was a club mentality about them that had been together for about a decade. The majority. 
it's interesting you say that because when we're talking about Joe Ledley and Aaron Ramsey, do you remember them absolutely with with Robert Earnshaw scoring a hat trick? Mm-hmm. I think against uh-huh. Scotland, yes. but it was Ramsey that night. I think he must have been eighteen, nineteen, mm-hmm. and he and him and Ledley in the midfield literally blew us apart. Absolutely blew us to smithereens. And it's funny you say that because you're right. That's these partnerships or these connections, these relationships on the field developing for a long time. I would hazard the guess that Scotland-Wales game was, what, 2010 or something? It would have been. No, remember, we were always linked with Robert Earnshaw at the time as well under Martin O'Neill. That was another another thing. Uh, Paul comes in with a statement, Mark Hughes is my favourite Welsh player of all time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we, couldn't, we, couldn't, we couldn't go through a Welsh podcast if it mentioned him, Mark Hughes. Tell him to close down his Twitter. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. The Belgian team that night, they had quite a few injuries that night and it saw, again, a Celtic connection come in. Jason Denier came in for them because Vermaelen was uh, injured and also Jordan Lukaku, uh, up front Lukaku's little brother. <laughs> came in uh, at fullback, but you look at their midfield. Uh, the midfield you still had Witzel, Nangolan, who was absolutely phenomenal at this point. I saw him. I went to Rome uh, uh, this year to actually to watch Roma against Lazio, and he was the best player on the pitch. Did you? Uh, but he was the best player on the pitch, head and shoulders. Uh, Eden, Eden Hazard, De Bruyne, uh, Carrasco, and Lukaku up front. So this is a this is a number one team at the world. The favourites for this tournament turning up against a squad that's got spirit, spirit and a, and a bit of a bit of quality in the, in, the, in the right areas. But who could know get their hairs on the back of their neck standing up when you hear the Welsh sing "Faith of Our Fathers"? Classic, mate. It's when I was watching the highlights of this game today, I was like, wow, that's a national anthem. I remember that's a national anthem. Yeah, and do you know something as well? I've always got the vibe Scotland, in my experience, has always been a wee bit embarrassing about singing the national anthem. Now, I put a bit of that down to the anthem itself. I didn't think the anthem was very good. But secondly, I'm always like, it's a Scottish thing. It's like, we're all gallus to a point and then for me to stand up and sing hymns at school, do you know what I mean? We're all like, <laughs> and then it's like, we do the national anthem, I think, I think Steve Clark's tried to implement a bit of that. He's trying to get them to put their arms around each other when they do it and stuff, because for a long time, basically, neither of them sang it. Uh-huh. Uh, you look at the Welsh one and you can tell there's a togetherness and a real pride in what they're singing, which I just get the vibe that Flower of Scotland, for whatever reason it is, there's been a bit of, there's, well, there's been nothing like that. It's been the polar opposite. Let's be honest, Kev. I think over the years, how many times you've seen the camera pan by someone and they've just had their mouth shut and they're not got their own, they're not got their arm around anyone or anything like that. And I think you look at the Welsh one, they're that close together, arms around each other and they're bellowing it, mate. And they're singing it for each other. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a real bond, I don't know, team unity about it. And I think Scotland maybe needs to get a wee bit of that. You know, it's great to go down and I know this annoys Roy Keane with Irish fans, you know, you just go down there to party. It's a waste of time. You know, it's like, he says he's here to win. And I think that's, I think, you know, it's great having a laugh and all that and doing all the sillies. But when it comes to it, you know, get get a bit between your teeth, man. You know what I mean? We'll maybe see a difference tonight, right enough. 
It's, when you're talking about national anthems, I mean, what you've got to remember is, I reckon up until the 82 World Cup, yeah. Scotland's, uh, when they played the national anthem from, for Scotland in World Cups, it was God Save the Queen. Up until, up until I think about, 19, I'm going to say 1990, I think, was the first time that what? they used Scotland the Brave. I think so. Somebody can maybe come in and uh, find me that. But I, I remember when you actually have a look at like the 74 World Cup and the 78 World Cup, well, especially the 74 one, when they start playing God Save the Queen, the looks on the Scotland fans, <laughs> uh, no, the Scotland players' faces as a picture, because oh. eh, they're like, what are you playing that for? That's that's no. And I mean, Scotland the Brave for me was a bit, oh, I don't care, it's a bit short bread, eh? And Flower yeah. Scott. I mean, I mean, did you see the tweet? Uh, Radio Five Live uh, says when after Flower of Scotland was, was, was played at Wembley on Friday night, that was written after thirteen fourteen about the Battle of Bannockburn. Now I didn't think the Corries were that old, eh? So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that must have been that uh, the guy Corey wrote it must have been about six hundred years old when, aye, when, aye, it, aye. <laughs> when it became a hit, eh? But, my honest opinion, Kev, I would shorten down uh, Loch Lomond and I would make that the national anthem. Like that, like end of wedding night thing. But it's only became the end of wedding night thing because it's an anthem. I would sing that 100%. I think that would get the place rocking, mate. Mm, I don't know, I don't know. Right, I'm telling you. Dignity would be Deacon Blue. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just chucking things out there, mate. I would mean, honestly think they should change it because I think Flower Scotland doesn't get them. Doesn't he get the? Does he get the juices for? I think he gets. It's just it's sad, and I hate the fact we're singing about them. I hate that. Like I'm like that's, that's, that, that's just a folk song hanging. That's just but folk getting all, That's everyone's favourite bit, you know, singing about proud Edward or whatever, and you're like. That to me is you're giving them too much respect. They love being in the song. Scotland's national anthem. You mentioned England. You know, it's just mm, come nah. on. As if they would, that would never be on their wavelength, mate. No, no, it wouldn't be. The dude, the dude abides coming. The national anthem should be the proclaimer tune, but only the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> just the chorus. Da da da. Get it up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> This game starts and uh, Belgium had Wales under siege. Hennessy had a couple of saves at, at, at the start of this game, and it looked like it looked, it looked like Wales were in for a long night. It's the it's the scramble in the box, which was pretty early on when I was watching that. I actually got quite I got kind of like quite pumped up watching it though. I think Hennessy might save this the first one, and then. There's another shot, another shot, but the least defenders are just throwing themselves at this ball. It actually looks like a sea of dead bodies in the box by the time the ball's like the play the phase of play's ended. It is wild how willing they were just to throw themselves at the ball. But it's like one, two, three shots all from like penalty spot sort of area. It was it's that's what it takes, mate, to beat the best teams though. You've got to all be pulling the same direction, eh? You have got to be uh, pulling in the same direction. Ars Duke 
8199 comes in, and I thought this, but I thought my mind was playing tricks on me. Does God save the Queen not mention crushing rebellious Scots? I think it does in the second verse. I think I it does. Not. I wouldn't care either, but I'm sure there's a second verse of God save the Queen which mentions uh, crushing rebellious. I don't think, I didn't think to get that far, eh? It's, right. uh, it's, it's, like, it's like the old Roy Aiken line, eh? Uh, I, I didn't ken the second line to the sash because we've usually scored by that point. So, the guy I was talking about, the Roma guy, Nangalan, scores an absolute worldly on in 13 minutes. This is an absolute peach. This game's actually got like three great goals. Absolutely three brilliant goals. This is a 25-yard shot that he didn't take a touch. When the, when the pass comes into him, he hits it first time. And he's got all the time in the world, but he still he fires us right into the top corner. What a, what a goal, Russell, eh? Pete? Because he's more, more than me too, big in England. I'm telling you, he likes a fag more than I do. He's, mm. uh, that technique is frightening. And remember as well, that ball's gone in near post for the keeper. He just can't, nothing can get, can move. No goalkeeper in the world can move fast enough to, to prevent that. And I just love the angle it goes in at the keeper's post as well. Just it's just he's just a one-off worldy strike, isn't it? It's a, it's absolutely top class. It is. It's a great it's a great strike, and this seems to rejuvenate Wales. And Wales come back into the game here, and that's the thing about playing Belgium. And I think you even saw that playing Bel- the, the Belgians now. Uh, this week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. The way that they play, they give up chances. And I think the way I think the Welsh knew that they were going to get chances in this game. And if they hug on long enough, they would have to take one of these chances. Eh? So the equalising 31 minutes and the big guy that you've been praising, Ashley, Ashley Williams, uh, corner kick, Gets away for Jason Denier. He's made. He's made. He's made determined in Jason Denier to get on the end of the cedar yeah. and headers the ball into the back of the net. It's a great header. And for that point on, the Welsh team absolutely run over the top of the Belgian side before half time. And they are really unlucky not to actually go in at half time in front. The amount of the, the amount of chances that they had. Agreed, but it's one of those things as well. This is Screamer so. It's one of those uh, traits that I would compare with how Celtic used to react in Europe in the good old days of me growing up um, watching Martin O'Neill's teams. We used to go a goal down, the crowd would erupt, the players would get the bit between their teeth. I think the game that strikes me that I would compare to it would be Stuttgart 
and we went to goal down Kevin Cranny, I'm sure, scored, and then we went on and beat them 3-1, mm-hmm. minus Henrik. But it was like the goal he scored, that just jolted us into life. And see, when you've got a team unity like that, they all just, they get cheesed off, mate. I know that sounds really simple, but they get annoyed. And it's like, right then. And they start playing more impulsively, um, which is a great thing to have. Again, sports science is such a big thing right now, our stats and opta and all that nonsense. You cannot put on a spreadsheet some factors that play in football. You just can't. And if you want to talk about XG, for example, Kev, what was Wales' expected goals before the game? Zero. I can't um, be a monkeys, man. XG, nah. what's all that about? Just bang the ball into the back of the net and take your chances, man. Uh, and what you need to remember is it comes into it is then the pressure that you're under, the weight of the occasion, the stage of t- the tournament that you're now in. So what you know ramifications there are for either qualifying or going out. Um, the fact there's a nation on your shoulders, the pressure that comes with that, your bottle, all these things you cannot put on spreadsheets and try and quantify it is not possible. And yet Wales do all the stuff that the stats would tell you they wouldn't do. And that's what I love. It's it's emotion, ain't it? It is emotion. It's a crowd emotion. You look at the Danes last night beating Russia 4-1 for those who listen on the podcast later on and listen in years' time. I'll quantify it what night we actually recorded this. Um, So... The Danes last night, 30-odd thousand in Copenhagen, made a great racket, 1-4-1 get through. But you, you can't tell me that they weren't carried by the emotion of that crowd as well. And I think international football is one football that benefits from emotion and, and from civic pride, country pride and that as well. Maybe more than the, the drilled club side. No, I like what you're saying there. I agree with that. So, so you look at Wales. There's probably twenty old thousand Welshmen in that in that stadium mm-hmm. that night. They equalise. They go berserk and they go, "Come on, we can do this." You, you, if they're go, they're going to the eleven Belgian players. You just you just don't need to beat the eleven guys on the park. You've also got to beat us. You've also got to get past us, and that is something. That, that can't be missed and I think it's something that I, I can be done want to but I think it is something that Celtic missed as well especially oh, yeah. especially under Neil Lennon I think Lennon's team's played on emotion and I think you see this Wales team playing on emotion as well at this point especially when they go 2-1 up now they go 2-1 up in 50, 55 minutes with one of the greatest goals that you'll ever see scored in, in a European tournament Robson Canu sends the whole Welsh defence. Sorry, Robson Canu sells the whole Belgian defence out for a paper with this twist, and he sells the goalkeeper, he sells the denier, he sells the the three three different. He sells like four defenders with this turn. It's a Cruyff turn by a guy who was just released by Redden at the time. He didn't have a club when he done this. Unbelievable! It's goosebumps when you watch the goal as well, Kev. It is that good. And again, like I'm going to say the word again, impulsive. He probably's never done that in training once. It's just came to him. A moment of magic, a moment of pure inspiration. And you're absolutely right. I think it's about three of them he sends for a hot dog. You know what I mean? And then he's then dealing with probably the number one goalie in the world at that time. But just the, about to join Real Madrid. But the fact is, he's done the turn, right? And the keeper's weight's already gone that way as well. So the keeper's like already, well, but I didn't expect that. 
So yeah. the keeper's weight's already yeah, that's and, and, and he can't get back across in time, eh? But it's I mean, a very cool, can collected finish, all the same. I would put money on that if he would have attempted that in training with a fell across the ball. Aye. He would have stood on the ball, son. If he actually thought about doing that, he's standing on the ball. I mean, it's a, it's a great bit of skill and what a fantastic goal. And what I love is the Welsh, the, all the Welsh fans are behind that goal. They go, absolutely, they go absolutely yeah. ballistic. I can't wait to be back in something like that. I can't oh, wait no. to some sweaty stranger hugging me and some random goal man. I, I can't, I can't wait for that. Sounds good, right? It does. It sounds brilliant. Obviously, you're playing the number one team in the world, and there's an onslaught. Belgium <laughs> absolutely push them. The Welsh get get lucky twice. There's maybe two penalty shouts, but eventually, on 86 minutes, Volks scores another great header for the corner of the six-year box after a cross for Chris Gunter. As I say, you've got Nangolan's goal, you, you've got uh, Robson Canu's goal, and you've got this goal. Three utterly cracking goals. Volks header superb. It's a great, it's a great header. It's it's a very difficult thing to do. What he done. From that 100%. angle, from that angle at the, the corner of the box. And then the whole nation goes mental, Scotland goes mental, everybody goes, Jesus, that, that's, that's, that's a Wales into the semi-finals of the Euros. Then you get the videos afterwards, like Ledley dancing in front of the... That's right. Ledley dancing in front of the, the Wales fans, the Wales fans going mental, then in the dressing room and Ledley doing the dance on the treatment table. and like, That's the one I remember. And, and you can actually see that he is a massive part of that Wales team spirit. That he... That's the reason that Wales Online were asking you to pray for Joe because of what he brought to that team. More than football was his hair, it was his beard. Football and ability, but spirit, attitude. He, he was, he, he, to, quote, uh, to quote Gordon Stratton, he looked a right good teammate. He looked like somebody that you wanted in the trenches with you. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And just to go back to my point, just something you can't quantify in a spreadsheet, mate. And that's the important thing about football. That's why science will never beat football. Do you know what I mean? Football is something that is played on the park with every single match that's played under a completely brand new, fresh set of circumstances that haven't happened before. That's what I love. Because whilst I, there's been a million World Cup finals or whatever, there's all different reasons for there being pressure on one team and the other team, there's different expectancy, there's different climates they're playing in at the time, there's different players out of form going into these matches, or maybe under pressure from their own supporters because they've been out of form. All these factors need to be taken in, and I just think as well, see when you've got the will of the country behind you like Wales did, it helps. Definitely, it does definitely help, and I think it also helps that you've got a vast travelling support there as well. I, okay. I think that does help. And I think it'll hopefully it'll help us at Hamden tonight having some form of support there. Eh? Well, one thing that I, I want to go back to with, with Wales there, eh? the Belgian manager at the time was Mark Wilmots, and this was his last game in charge of Belgium. He left soon, soon afterwards and was replaced by Roberto Martinez, of course. Who, who brought Sean Maloney after that. When you look at Ledley, 
And you look at what he'd done in a Celtic top, eh? he was there for four seasons, got three league titles in a Scottish Cup, scored in a Scottish Cup final. My favourite Joe Ledley goal is not the one that I saw in your pub that time. Uh, was the one away in Rennes, which was a great away trip. My last—that's my last European away trip. Actually, was Rennes away, and Ledley scored a header that night, and that was brilliant that night. The Celtic support were fantastic that night in Rennes. Uh, when we're talking about the the, the Welsh support, the, mm-hmm. the Celtic support in Rennes that night was, was phenomenal, and uh, I remember. The, actually singing for Joe Ledley and when he scored that equaliser going we're talking about being a sweaty mess jumping and all oh, jumping up and doing me folk. Mm-hmm. I think we were I think we were at the competition by this point. Right. I, I, I think I think it was just and that, that was a goal that Dewey that uh, Chad Uri famously scored for the halfway line. Uh, and he's in net unfortunately and <laughs> I was disappointed when Joe Ledley left Celtic. I must admit I was gutted that he left Celtic because he got us, and he did come out and say after it he was going to sign the contract, but he turned up to training and was told that he was sold. Another Peter Law production, do you think? Yes. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say is I, I'm not. I'm not convinced if um, I'm not convinced Ledley was playing it all the time. I mean, I, I don't know if, if my... he, did, he did have a hip injury. He was in and out the side, but you're talking about two years later, he's the main man in the Euros. I know. Aye, what could have been? Not 100%. I, I wonder with sometimes the players, I don't mean any disrespect to Ledley, I really don't, but I wonder if they rewrite history a wee bit as well. You know, I, see if you were to believe all the football interviews you watch, they would have you all believe that we're dedicated professionals, nearly all of them anyway. And you think, to, or, or they were all, you know, the last in, last out of the training ground, or they had total affection for this club. I think nostalgia maybe gets to, the, to players once they leave as well. Um, right. I would have signed the contract. Well, was the contract offer made? Did you? Did you not? I'm not trying to be harsh on him, by the way, because it wouldn't surprise me one iota if it was a Peter Lowell production, Kev. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. He's got previous with us with wee Jackie as well when wee Jackie ended up at Wolves. Remember that. He's, he's got previous with us. Gary Hooper. Gary Hooper didn't want to leave when he was still. I was surprised yeah. at that. I thought he did want to leave. No, Gary Hooper didn't. He came uh, out virtually right away and says, oh, I wanted to stay at Celtic. I was willing to sign that contract. But... As you say, a lot of these players leave Celtic and they realise it's going to be it's the biggest club that they're ever going to play for. Yep. It's, the, it's the best years of their career when they look back. They go, my God, I should have stayed there longer. I should have went to Sheffield Wednesday. I should have went to Crystal Palace. But Ledley was quite, says it at the time. When he signed for Crystal Palace, he went, I was going to sign that contract. He did say that, so... <laughs> You can only take his word with it, and I would rather I would rather believe Joe Ledley at this point. Yeah, that's true. Like... Me too. No, me too. I was just trying to give like, you know, two sides to the, to the debate. But no, I'm I'm fully in agreement. I would much rather subscribe to what Joe said. But then, there is a wee twist in this, because in 2019, Ledley asked Celtic to come back and. I knew this was going to come up. Did you? You can read my mind there. Uh, Ledley asked Celtic to come back and train. And he was not back, which makes me think that this is a Peter Wall production. The, the, the first, the, the first thing 
he left the first time, then badmouthed the club after it. And when he came back asking for training facilities, he was knocked back. And I'll, I'll put money on it wasn't Neil Lennon that knocked him back. I'll put money on it wasn't Neil Lennon. Do you think because he went public that he wanted to sign a new deal, mm-hmm. they've held a grudge? Oh, yeah. wow. That's, That's... I really... See if that is the case. Stuff like that really disappoints me because we're bigger than that. That's petty. See something that, like you rightfully pointed out, gives four years service, part of three league title winning sides, and they're asking for a wee favour, free training, not paying them to come here and train, just to train. I dare say at the back of Joe Ledley's mind at 32 years old at that point, there was a bit of him going, and you never know. See, because if you're a professional sportsman, you always believe the magic can come back. Definitely. You know, you know, he would have maybe, maybe held in hope in that, but there's nothing wrong with a bit of hope. And if Joe Ledley was wanting to come up and use our facilities to stay fit, that's shocking if the reason for Celtic saying no to that was something as petty as an interview Joe Ledley came, where all he was really saying was he actually loved the club, that he actually wanted to stay, in mm. theory. You're now punishing him for that. That's shocking, that, Kev. I don't like that. Well, the reason I think it could be... The reason I think it is Neil Lennon. Now, Neil Lennon, since he's been doing the tour of his after oh. after losing the Celtic job, he's been on a, he's been on the media on the media uh, treadmill, and he's been talking about a certain player coming back, players that wanted to be at the club, players that understand the club, mm-hmm. and the rumours were that last summer he wanted to let the ones who wanted to go go and he wanted to bring in a certain type of player who understood the club and what this season meant to the club, like Shane Duffy. Right? Shane Duffy knew what the, the, the season meant to the club. Rumours are he also wanted to bring in, run back Charlie Mulgrew because he knew the club. He wanted to bring, a, what's the guy named Snodgrass from West... That's right. He wanted to bring Sodgrass, a Glaswegian guy, Celtic support who knew the club. He wanted to he wanted to bring James McLean mm-hmm. because McLean knows the the whole Irish history of Celtic. So this is where this is where I'm thinking this is a Peter Wall production that Doe Ledley didn't get didn't get training facilities because Neil Lennon would have took Ledley back. I would have thought so. I would have thought he would have certainly. I think Lennon would have been smart enough to know he hadn't played enough football. Of late, because I think at Derby County he wasn't a regular. I don't think. Certainly no, no, but, but you're getting the chance to take a player who's done your turn to train. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think Neil Lennon, hundred percent. No, I'm agreeing with that. I, I think Lennon would be smart enough to go. He's not coming here on a trial as such. If I'm, you know, pleasantly surprised, then you know I'll keep my options open on it. But Neil Lennon, for all his faults, certainly knew how to be loyalty players and I certainly think that Joe Ledley would have been someone he built up a really strong relationship with in the four years they were both there and I'd have had no doubt that Neil Lennon would have said yes to that Kev no doubt at all I've got no doubt either and I mean I don't know if it would have worked out or that but when you now look back at the whole narrative which is now in a perfect circle you can go well you've done well there I reckon Neil Lennon did the note back Joe Ledley I think that no, I think that, I think that came from higher up in the club because Neil Lennon would have took Joe Ledley back for that training to have a look at him. De- definitely. 
we'll move on, Russell, because we're all getting PMT, the pre-match nerves uh, here. So we'll move on to the music. And what we'll do is the singles chart on the 1st of July 2016. Number one, One Dance by Drake. Pass. Didn't care what it sounds like. I don't even know the point in going through these. Uh, Number two, Kung's versus Cooking on a Free Burners. This girl. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. No. I hate the modern music so much. Does anybody care what cooking on a free burner has been? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know care what that means either. Right, you want to talk about the strokes. Let's talk about the strokes. Yep, so they had an EP out called Future Past Present. I'll be honest with you, I wasn't familiar with it. It was just I seen them and I thought it was too good an opportunity not to talk about, to me, an extremely cool-looking but very talented rock and roll band. And uh, rock and roll. They genuinely, especially the first two albums, just were like your typical band. That you, you know, you're like your high school band would practice just two guitars, bass, drums, singer. And like that, so like so, their sounds really resonated with me when I was young. So obviously, I was a high school band and all that stuff. You know what I mean? And it was like, it was just sounds that I recognised. But obviously, they're doing it in a way that's got brilliant melodies and great choruses and fantastic songs. But um, I, I was quite intrigued by this EP because it, it it had went past my radar. The first song I felt they tried to be a bit Joy Division with the sort of moody bass lines, but then. There's a track, and it's the third track, which the name's escaping me, but I've got it here. Is it all And it was Threat of Joy. Right. And it is very much an old strokes formula. So when you listen to it, it sounds... Firstly, you get glimpses of Someday from it, mm-hmm. and then you start thinking, right, it's a song that's on right, but that's the way... The reminiscence I'm getting is Someday. I mean, whilst we're talking about the strokes, I mean... Is this it as a first album blew my mind. Uh, the first time I heard last night, right? I'll, I, this is an honest, honest truth. You can still my, hear that drum beat, eh? The, the start here, eh? So good. Uh-huh. And uh, my mum was dropping me off at my mate's house. I even know where I was getting dropped off, like who my pal was. Every middle of the afternoon, and that came on twelve fifteen a.m. Virgin Radio. So it was still Virgin then, 2001, this had been. And I remember loving the song it was on. I was, I'd never heard it before. And I says, oh, who sang that? Mum, she goes, how am I meant to know? I says, oh, it's ancient. And she says, I've never heard that in my life. So I went in and told my mate about it, and he knew it. He says, come down to the stairs. He had Sky and all that. I didn't have Sky. We had the music channels. I'm a bit, I know I had Sky Sports. I didn't have the music channels. So you had to pay for them separately then, because that was a big deal. He had them, and he, we found. We just watched. It was a. Was it Q? I think the radio station might have been Q. The Q had a music channel. I did. Aye, I, I think it was channel. Q. And um, if not, it was another one. There's other music channels available now too. But um, we eventually it came on that day, and I was like, "See!" And then you watched the video, and I went, "This it's ancient. A, it's a perfect video, eh? It's a I also thought the, the microphone he's using, the way the, the band look, I was like. I told you it was ancient. And my mate says, 
what are you not getting? This is a brand new song. So that is my wee interesting story about last night. I thought it was that good that it sounded like a rock and roll legendary song from years that, gone by, Kev. That, that's a compliment. That is a compliment Aye. because that is, they look like a classic rock and roll band. They did look perfect together and they had like the... Every one of them was more gorgeous than the next one. <laughs> that's aye, like, aye. That, that's it. And they just had that, the drummer. If your drummer's cool as anything, if the drummer's one of the coolest guys in the band, you're on a winner. Must be yeah. a cool band. Aye, you're on a winner if, if your drummer is absolutely, looks that good. Like aye. basically playing the drums, eh? And you're right about this is it. Uh, what a fantastic album a phenomenon Some, mate someday and all of that I don't think they maybe reached the heights that I expected them to do after this me neither I went to see them when they had just released their setting single I went to see them at the Edinburgh Liquid Rooms right that would, that would have been in 2000 love the Liquid Rooms uh, I saw them in the Edinburgh Liquid Rooms and I think it was a rubbish venue for them to tell you the truth I, I can't remember I can't really remember it blowing my mind. I can't remember coming out going, I've seen a, a great big thing here, but, mm. and I was driving that night too. So, that half explains it. I don't know, eh? And strangely enough, I haven't seen them live since, which is bizarre as well. Well, it was another funny one because they played Teen the Park 2012. I think it was 2012 or 2014. I think it was 2012. Anyway, me and my mate were like, we love the song New York City Cops and, you know, you're in a haze at Teen the Park, right? And uh, we've ended up, aye, and we've ended up coming up this theory. Imagine if they played New York City Cops first and we just kept saying it to each other. We had no idea and they did. And I thought that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't in the state I'm in right now. Like, it was mad. But at that time, which there was, see what I think with the strokes? There was glimpses of returns to form Kev and I appreciate what you're saying I think they I don't think they built on the foundations of is this it I thought Room on Fire was had a lot of good moments as well if maybe already your second favourite Strokes album out of two it was still a good I thought it was still a strong enough album that this could still go somewhere and then I thought it was flickers of good songs if you know what I mean as opposed to enjoying full albums or, or the majority but under the cover of darkness, you can that song. Aye. I mean, that was just boom, that could have walked on as this it. And that was them back to their exact formula that they were using in 2001 with that song. And if anyone's not heard that, off it is an absolute of what a rock and roll song. And it was quite nice to hear something from a few years later that that wasn't aware of today. And I've now got one more tune for the Spotify, which is kind of the point of Scream of Silica, Kev. It's always about... Have you heard? I would also recommend that you check out that normal world that The Strokes released last year. That is, a, that is a really, really good album. Is it? That, that is a really good album, I. I will. It, it is. I think they all just fell out with each other because they were too cool, too many egos and just looked too good. They um, are too but, cool. And, and actually just thought, I'm better than you, and you just had that wee bit of, like, like, friction with each other. Just quickly on the strokes, Kev. I yes. remember, you know the, you know, you know the festival, um, a wee bit of self-indulgence, right? But you know the, you know the festival uh, Rewind 
the eighties festival at Schoon Palace. If you're anti Christ in music, and I get that, right? But I've went, I've went a few years, right? Loved it, right? And I've loved it. You, know, uh, right? you actually seem to me that you could be a Duran Duran fan, actually. Uh, it was like Billy Ocean headlining that man. But the good thing about Rewind is, if the act that comes on's crap, they're off. At, they only play their hits. They only play like three or four songs, and that's them anyway. So you're not standing about like a full set. Do you know what I mean? Anyway. The alternative entertainment is this karaoke tent that probably holds, I'm not exaggerating, I would say a thousand people, maybe more. The typical sort of blue tent you would see at Teen the Park, or maybe one of the blue ones, like with the, you know, anyway. Um, and they they were doing live band karaoke. Live band karaoke? So it's a live band playing. So obviously, again, feeling Billy Big Boss, <laughs> I've went. Right, songs that they got. So they had a huge choice. As long as you're not feeling Scott Baines, you're fine. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I've been up, they've got this huge board, which is maybe has 80 songs on it. And you've got that, because that's obviously the band's repertoire. Maybe it was 100, I don't know. And I've seen Last Night by The Strokes. I'm well on, mate, and you know what I mean. And I've ended up like, I'll do that, man. I went up and when she's called my name, my mate's like, no way. Like, this place is rammed. And, like, they're all, like, everyone's clapping when you go up. I kiss the woman who's done the ticket on the cheek, take the microphone off her hand, and go around the band and shake all their hands before we play. <laughs> and the guitarist goes through and goes, oh, not you, kid. <laughs> Straight away. <laughs> and I kind of, I was like, I was like, where's the words? Did you, try, like, did you try to sell your second-hand motor as well after that impression? <laughs> That's what he said, though. But um, I was just prancing about a stage singing last night, man. Anyway, that, good, it was good, good. fun. It was my biggest crowd to date, Kev, you know what I mean? Brilliant, brilliant. And there you go, that's your claim to fame. Did it go aye, doing man. well to an audience, uh, aunties, uncles and grannies? It's a well, it's, a, it's an easy enough vocal and uh, none of the rest of them knew what the original sounded like, so aye, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Moira, 57, for Perth, didn't have a clue whether yeah. I nailed it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, Moira, 57, for Perth, this is getting very dear Deirdre, actually, when I say stuff like that. Uh, I was having a look at the album charts to try and pick an album for this. And luckily enough, number one was Adele at 20, with 25. Number two was Coldplay, Head Full of Dreams. And number three was All Over the World, The Greatest Hits of ELO. And I went, I'm having that. Yes. I'm having that because it's a bit of a guilty pleasure, ain't it, ELO? Perfect Love pop them. songs. And this is, the, this is a, the hits between 1973 and to 1983. So it's got like Mr. Blue Sky, Evil Woman, Don't Bring Me Down. And for me, my favourite song at the moment is Telephone Line. I absolutely love Telephone yeah, Line. That's, that the week. Oh, that's my jam at the moment, Telephone Line. Did I say that? That's my jam. Jesus Christ, Kevin, you're 45. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I wondered, why was this sitting at number three in the charts when it was released 11 years before? So... I'm going, why is it sitting at Can I hazard a guess? Yes. I'm going to guess he played live for the first time in a long, long time at Hyde Park as some sort of 
I don't know what it was, BBC at the proms hangar, something along those lines. And he, when we're close? Close? They played the legend spot on a Sunday afternoon at Glastonbury in 2016. So Glastonbury has that Sunday afternoon slot. Yeah, they played that. Next thing you know, an album that released 11 years before ends up number three in the charts and two weeks oh, later yeah. goes to number one and ends up selling over a million copies. Yeah, because what happened was, it's coming back to me now, I can't remember if it was Chris Evans or Chris Moyles or someone did a campaign to get Jeff Lynne and the band back together again. They did do something at Hyde Park, I'm sure of it as well, around that time. So there's a it, huge... I think it might have been the... I don't know if it was in the back of Glastonbury or what order it was, but there was this mad radio campaign that occurred, and it was... I'm sure it was... I'm sure it was Chris Moyles, and it was like, let's get ELO uh, back together or whatever. Um, and yeah, it was all around that time. So yeah, the album going to number one, that's right. Uh, it rings bells. The, the album went back to number one, and like when, when you have you have a look at it. I mean, the ELO were formed out of the move, and the the move were Jeff Lynne was in the move, Bev Bevan was in the move, and so was Roy Wood. So Roy Wood left to form Wizard, that's and, right, and left Jeff Lynne and Bev Bevan in, in the band. But the move were the first ever band played on Radio One. Now there's a wee come on uh, call the fire brigade the first ever song that was played on radio one and everybody thought when Roy Wood left everybody thought that the band were going to collapse then Jeff Lynne just turned up into one of the greatest pop song writers ever absolutely hit you I think ELO's ongoing love with people with a younger generation is due to Guardians of the Galaxy as well because it's a big, and the, uh, have you seen Gardens of the Galaxy? No, watched it. No, no Gardens I've of the heard Galaxy. Of it, I've heard of it. The, the main guy's got a Walkman, and it's a and it's a cassette that his mum left him, and it's ELO and other staple seventies, eighties songs, and ELO make a play a massive part in the the Guardian of the Galaxy stuff, and I reckon that's because when you hear songs, and it was quite weird listening to this album. Because you hear things, you go, I forgot ELO done that. Because it just built into, it's built into your consciousness that you hear it so many times that you go, was that ELO? Really? Oh, I didn't actually. Uh, and it's a fantastic song. And see the day, it was such a feel-good day. You've got the Scotland game, the night the sun was out, batter and on, listen to Mr. Blue Sky. You're like, oh, this is great. Life's good. Life great is good. Great mate. Great Aye, I, I love that. See, see, sometimes when we go to these modern ones, we'll maybe end up something like that. A, a wee, a wee classic will fall into a lap like ELO. So, Aye. everybody go and put on Mr. Blue Sky before the Scotland game and get yourselves up for it. I like, and, uh, do you know the one I like? Sweet Talking Women. Yes, that's good, eh? Like, I that think, good, eh? I'm sure that violin was used in some advert, because I, I, I recognised it the first time I heard it, but anyway, it doesn't matter. But Sweet Talking Women's Hour, that's right up there for me. Belter of a tune. There's so uh, many good ones. There is so many good I think the album sort of tails off towards the end. Sort of later. I didn't like Xanadu and that. That's just a bit too... I don't know, I just kind of get on just kind of get on to that. Eh? But the first the first half of the album is 
utterly gold, solid yep. gold bars, which was the name of status quo's greatest hits. Twelve solid <laughs> bars. Yeah, anyway, those greatest hits should have been big smiling hits. Yeah, that's, that's what they make you do. What I will say about ELO is I always there was only one one of my friends, Kevin Kelly, uh, who played ELO. If you're going on a night out and he came back to his really? house for a couple of beers, that's the only time I'd ever heard ELO when I was in my early twenties. Unfortunately, Kevin passed away a couple of years ago with cancer. Oh, you can Kevin Kelly, eh? I know exactly who he is. We uh, played in a charity football thing that was arranged uh, in honour of him as well. Um, after he died, we raised a lot of money. Uh, so any time I hear him, so. oh, I thank him. So it was good to actually go back the day with the sunshine. And that it was a big time was Kevin, eh? So yeah. uh, that, that, that was more than the thing with ELO. Right, I think it's time to say calm down. Let's go. Subscribe. Uh, subscribe. Let's see what's going to happen tonight, and hopefully we're all going to be smiling. Uh, oh, come on, uh, Scotland! We can just come this, on, man. Scotland. Hey, let's everybody. Hope everybody enjoyed tonight. Uh, tell your friends. Tell the folk that you didn't like. Tell your wives that you didn't talk to. Tell everybody about us. And Camden. audio company iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.